Hola, amigos, and bienvenidos, uh, Dead by Danny, the only podcast on the entire internet where me, the man who doesn't know how to speak Spanish, uh, watches Evil Dead 2 every single day for 30 days. Now, it's the only podcast on the entire internet where that is the that specifically is the case. And, as you probably guessed it, I watched Evil Dead 2 today. And also, this is probably the quickest I've gotten through an intro in this entire podcast. Maybe barring the first couple episodes where I didn't particularly know what the uh, format of this podcast was going to be, but... But that was impressive. In under a minute, I got through the entire intro. But as I said yesterday, today's podcast is going to be a part two of sorts to the um, to to the last episode. So I am going to be talking about the Evil Dead Two comics from Space Goat Productions. But this is the first time in 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 these these comic based episodes that I've run into. A brick wall, essentially. It's a shame, because a little background on Space Goat Productions, or Space Goat Publishing, or whatever the fuck they go by. Um, they ran away with a lot of money um, back from Kickstarter. One million dollars. And they completely shut down operations. And they they didn't deliver the board games or the comics that they had promised to the backers of their Kickstarter. And they essentially left their entire uh, catalog of, of creative creatives and comics and, and, and games and stuff like that up to nothing. Just vanished. So by the end of this podcast... I won't have an ending to the story of the comics that I read today for the podcast. So, the comics I read and we will be discussing today are Evil Dead 2 Revenge of Jack the Ripper, Evil Dead 2 Revenge of Krampus, and Evil Dead 2 Revenge of Evil Ed. <coughs> Excuse me. Just got a little bit of a corona. But um Revenge of Evil Ed was going to be the first of the revenge line of comics to not just be a one-shot. It was meant to actually be a series. And it is also the first of the revenge series of comics to take place after the events of of uh, Dead Dark Ones Rising. In fact, it was meant to take place after the sequel to Dark Ones Rising, which was supposed to be called Doppelganger Wars. Now, um, <laughs> the fact that we're not only cheated out of the ending of one of the revenge books with Evil Ed, the one I was the most hyped to read, if that's not already enough shame or enough enough uh, salt for me to have, the fact that there was supposed to be another miniseries in the main line of the comics, that never happened. 
and I'm looking at the concept art of it right now. It looked really cool. <laughs> uh, it's so upsetting. It's so upsetting. But it is what it is. And it was also going to change the writers was going to the writer of 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 the main series was actually going to transition to the 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 guy who wrote the Revenge of Hitler and the revenge books we're going to talk about today. And he was actually really good. I actually really did like his stories as compared to some of the other ones, but we will get to that. In the last episode, we read Revenge of Hitler, Revenge of Dracula, and Revenge of... What was it? Um, the Martians. And my general thoughts on it were that the Hitler one was fun. It was a good one. The uh, Dracula one was fun, inoffensive, but not particularly uh, memorable or, 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 or great. Uh, there was a, a, a bunch of technical issues that kind of took me out of it, and I thought the Martians one was terrible. So I didn't know what to expect going into these three. I assumed that at least the one with Evil Ed would had would have had a... Oh, oh God, excuse me. Um, I assumed it would have more care put into it, considering it relates directly to Evil Dead 2. But uh, I, I really did have no idea what I was getting into. And I also didn't know that Revenge of Evil Dead wouldn't have an ending. But, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, it, it really was a wake-up call for me <laughs> to realize that I didn't actually have um, any more comics to talk about left. I mean, I de there is a, one series I haven't read yet that was like an anthology series where it was short but each issue was a separate story about Ash or something like that. But I don't know if I want to talk about that on the podcast. I might have to resort to talking about that on the podcast if I really have nothing left, but we will see. First thing I want to talk about today is, uh, is Revenge of Jack the Ripper. So right off the bat, just looking at the cover of the digital copy of Revenge of Jack the Ripper... I can see those trademarks, late stage Evil Dead 2 comic uh, artifacts around the text boxes and just somehow oversighted errors <laughs> in, in, in the photoshopping of this cover. But literally every single cover of all of these comics have some sort of artifacts. But for these three, they're particularly noticeable. Looking at the cover, I didn't actually... Again, I didn't know what this book was going to be about. I just knew it was going to have Ash and it was going to be about Jack the Ripper. But um, I noticed there's like this Ari tungsten light and there's like a boom mic in the shot. And they're like on a stage. So I put two and two together that obviously this comic was going to be about a movie and I was right. But before we get into that, um, the script was written by Georgia Ball. It's the first script actually written for any of these comics by a female writer, so that's cool. And the art was by Francisco... Uh, I can't read this name. Mori? Moring? Morin? Morig? I don't know what it says. It's in cursive. And it's not in a particularly readable cursive font. Uh, the colors were by... I think that says T.J. Miller, but... <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, and I know it's not 
the comedian TJ Miller, but oh, holy, holy shit. I am, I need to sleep at some point, but yeah. Um, so that's the creative team on this book. Uh, they haven't really done, I haven't seen this creative team do any comic in this series in the past, so I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, starting with the art and the colors and stuff like that. The colors are done with a watercolor, clearly. It's a traditional watercolor style. You can see the blending and everything. I thought that was very appealing to look at. And I thought a lot of the art was actually really well done. A lot of the, the inking and the, and the line art was very distinct. Uh, I thought the, the renderings of these locations looked very um, clear and they, they're very... Um, they worked very well together with the uh, painted coloring of the series. One thing that I noticed was either a stylistic choice or some sort of anatomical error is that for the most of the series, the heads of the characters are all a little bit too big proportionally to their bodies. And it's on most of the pages, in most of the artwork, it's like that until like maybe a couple pages like full pra full page spreads which were clearly taking a lot more time to draw the anatomy is more accurate so that's just a thing taking into consideration it might be a stylistic choice but i didn't really mind it that much all in all i thought the art was actually very pretty and very fun to look at um now i guess let's dig into the story because uh it it's fun it's a fun one so it starts off, Ash is on like a movie set and he has with an old friend of his who he assumes is making the movie, but it turns out the friend is a production assistant and he got Ash a small uh, role in the movie as a cop who has one line and uh, the movie that they're making is is about Jack the Ripper. And it's, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of really good jokes in this, in this sequence when he finds out what the movie is and what it's about and everything. And his one line that he has to say as an 1800s cop is groovy. <laughs> and I, I legitimately laughed and clapped when I read that. And you know what? Let's knock it out of the way. Let's go into groovy time. Groovy. So while watching the movie today, uh, groovy time passed. I, I didn't even mention it. I watched the digital copy of the film today. I didn't mention it up top, but I did. And I watched it with headphones on. And 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 um, for some reason, I was in a good mood today while watching the movie. Uh, and and I, I just was into it. And I was laughing. And I was smiling through it. And he said, groovy. I was, I was, you know, I laughed. I chuckled. I was wearing my headphones, so I wasn't going to be overtly loud or, or rowdy. I'm not that kind of person when I watch a movie. I actually have a... I, I did this, like, performance art piece. I performance art. I, I did this fucking meme on YouTube where I filmed myself watching a movie for an hour and a half like a realistic person would watch a movie. And I considered watching Evil Dead 2, but the thing is that when I watch Evil Dead 2, I laugh out loud and I, and I get really, like, energetic especially at the time of filming the video when I hadn't watched Evil Dead 2 30 times. But um, I watched The Hunt instead because that had just come out, so I, I got a digital copy of that and watched it. Um, I wanted to watch it uh, in the theaters, but w because of work and school and stuff, stuff got in the way, and then the theaters closed. So, 
Yeah. But yeah, Groovy was great. Um, but it was even better in the comic. <laughs> Cause it's not, it, it's, it's, it's kind of rare at this point to see it outside of, uh, that, uh, that scene over and over and over again. But yeah, it's like the schlocky B movie that they want to be gory and intense. And the director is like, yeah, I want you to rip out this chick's entrails and really get into your character. It's a bunch of like buzzwords and nonsense and edginess. Like maybe you had a bad childhood and your mother didn't love you and blah, blah, blah. And you could have been a hero. Uh, and one line that really got me is he said, think like Frank Miller, but darker. <laughs> that got a good laugh out of me. But yeah, at, at this point I realized um, this book is good. It's funny. And the art is good. And, and I'm, I'm so far liking the way the story is going. And that's when the, the plot starts to kick in because... Ash finds his friend, his production assistant friend who got him the job, uh, dead on the floor, like violently murdered. And he was murdered by Jack the Ripper, but not the Jack the Ripper actor on set because he was performing, but someone dressed as Jack the Ripper. And he's interviewed by the police and there's an eyewitness that backs up what Ash has to say. And um, he, he was supposed to crash at his friend's place, but now that his friend's dead, he has nowhere to stay. So the historian consultant on the set invites him to crash in his uh, trailer, which is decorated with all sorts of blades and costumes and historical documents and posters about Jack the Ripper. He seems a little bit obsessed, but he uh, wipes, he, he like kind of rubs off that uh, with the whole excuse that he's the hist- historian on set, I guess, the history consultant, the the professional Jack the Ripper guy. And he says that the description of the murderer matches Sir William Gull, a, a popular uh, suspect for the Jack the Ripper case. He was a physician at the time. But uh, yeah, so so Ash is like, hmm, interesting. Uh, I'm not going to leave set. I need the money. And maybe you guys can use my level of expertise if there's a dead guy running around. So Ash hangs around for a little bit more. And he tries to tail the director of the film because, I mean, the director's film is called Jack. So he was like, listen, this guy's creepy. He's, he might have something to do with it. But as he's following him, he sees an actual deadite Jack the Ripper run down an alleyway and murder a woman, like a redheaded woman. So uh, the police interview him again. They're like, okay, so you mean to tell me that the first... The first person who died was your friend, and the second was one of your co-workers because the, the second woman who was killed was one of the actresses on set and because Ash is technically an actor on that set, his co-worker. But there is photographic evidence because a kid who was in the area snapped a photo of the murder on his cell phone. Again, time inconsistency, but it is what it is. Ash goes back to the uh, writer-slash-historian on the set and, and the historian shows him that there is actually another uh, person that matches the image that was taken of the murder, James Maybrick, or possibly his brother Michael Maybrick. So now there's multiple suspects and multiple possible deadites running around the set. So Ash is like, I don't see how these people can be coming here unless they're in disguise or... And he finds a lot of pages of the Necronomicon in the... In the uh, trailer and he deduces that he was brought back to the dead and now the art starts to get really expressive and creepy and i love it 
and the historian reveals that his body is full of the souls of the suspects of Jack the Ripper because he, you know, he's one of those conspiracists who wants to really get to the bottom of who did it. So he decided to revive all of the suspects <laughs> and he and he's possessed by them and he sends Ash into a rift to 1888 London <laughs> somehow and 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 he says you want to know who Jack the Ripper really is it's you Ash and because this version of Ash has evil within him he turns into dead-eye Ash and he, he attacks a woman but through his sheer force of will he he stops himself and he 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 like chokes himself through his reflection in the puddle and he is eventually able to rip the historian who is now fully laid out in Jack the Ripper garbs and he has a fight with him and the historian tears open his entrails. And this part got me really laughing because all of his like lungs and his liver and his guts and everything have mouths and they're all laughing and he's looking down and it's gory and he's like, Hey, you're supposed to be on my side. And that's when I realized this is the first comic in this series to really genuinely feel like evil dead too. And like Jack the Ripper <laughs> goes to tackle him, but Ash rich, rips out his own liver and chokes him with it. <laughs> it. It's like wild and crazy, and I fucking loved this book. And then he just decapitates him, and he wakes up in the trailer. All his clothes is all torn up, and he sees the writer on the floor decapitated, and he just dips. <laughs> He's like, "Okay, I'm out." And and in what is the final shot? of the of the comic and really well rendered really beautiful drawing of him walking down the streets of LA with a really good likeness and the colors look really nice and he wonders if he still has a liver because he doesn't know what part of that hallucination was real because clearly some of it was and he did rip his own liver out so he goes into a bar and he starts ordering rounds of whiskey and that brings us to the end of Revenge of Jack the Ripper that was good, dude. I really liked that one. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, I, I enjoyed that one thoroughly. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, but I did. And because I've wasted a lot of time so far on this podcast, I should probably get moving on to Revenge of Krampus, which was the next one I read. Now, Revenge of Krampus uh, shows a return of Ian Edgington to this uh, Evil Dead 2 comic series, things, whatever. And uh, the art both on the cover and on the inside, was done by Dave Yukovich. Dave Yukovich. And the colors were done by Carrie Strachan. The cover, I think, is gorgeous. But the uh, the inside artwork can be a mixed bag at times. But I think for the most part, it's really, really clean and really well done and really straight-edged and really expressive. Uh, the, there's a couple... Areas where it seems a little bit rough, but overall, very clean. The, the colors are very, very well done. Um, much better than in the actual main series and better than, I think, the House of of, of Id or whatever the, the other, that company that did the other coloring was. It was very, it was very punched in color. The liner is very defined and very crisp. But the story starts off. We're at a trailer with Clone Ash yet again. Much like the beginning of Revenge of Hitler, I, I can sense a pattern because, well, quite frankly, it's the same writer. And he's spending his first ever Christmas in existence alone. Because technically, even though this Ash has the memories of the other Ash, 
he's only existed for a couple months, so I assume this takes place in between Beyond and Cradle uh, in, 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 in the Evil Dead comics canon. So while he's choking down the beers and smoking weed, he hears some knocking and he needs someone, one of his neighbors is asking him to help. And it's this like punk rock chick with like no clothes on and a shaved head and an ash because he's, he wants to, you know, get with her because he's a, one of those guys decides to help out because her son is being attacked in her trailer by none other than Krampus, this massive beauty and the beast looking pagan God <laughs> who speaks with a German accent and he's wearing a leotard in it and he's just trying to attack this child and it's it's quite funny and it's quite cartoony and slapsticky and uh basically he ash gets his attention away from the child by by barging in and Krampus who recognizes ash and it clearly has some sort of history with ash uh turns his attention to ash to fight him so he fucking launches ash and he bounces around in the in the open fields for a little while so Krampus and Ash start going at it they start fighting but Ash has no recollection of who he is but Krampus says that apparently as a child Ash was one of the worst that he had to deal with and he he starts slapping around and what is essentially reusing the same art on multiple pages with slightly different backgrounds he starts telling them that he would put snakes in sleeping bags. He would put horse laxatives in teachers' coffees. He would superglue toilet seats. He would make candy out of earwax, lighting dog farts, all, all this crazy sh- pranks and shit. And then um, Ash still just goes to insulting him, and they fight a little bit more. The The kid from the, the neighbor's kid from the other trailer is watching on. Ash just starts beating on him with a <laughs> with his little gas cans and um and at some point ash tells him that he was not he's not the ash that krampus knows he was actually a clone grown from another hand a- and uh he just keeps putting the beat down on krampus um now uh krampus once hearing that realizes oh you're not the real ash williams and Ash is like, no, I'm the upgrade or whatever. So the fight stops because <laughs> Krampus stops him in his tracks. Tells him, and Ash, assuming he's a deadite, asks him what kind of deadite he is. And he's like, no, I'm literally Krampus. And then he explains to him um, very politely, actually. Like he apologizes to him and he tries to clean him off of the garbage that's on him. And he's like, listen, this time of year always gets me a little bit stressed out, but pretty much. Um, there's a nice list. There's a naughty list. Santa goes to the kids with the nice list and gives them gifts. I go to the kids on the naughty list and traumatize them so that they can fix their ways. So Ash, realizing that Krampus is actually kind of a nice guy, <laughs> is like, hey, why don't you hang out with me? I'll show you around to my friends. You seem a little stressed out. Let's decompress. So he introduces him to a couple friends of his, you know, beer and weed. So in his back in his... uh in his trailer, they hang out, they fart, they insult one another, but they're being like bros. And uh, he asks Ash, how come you don't remember me? And Ash says, was, he asked him, "Is like, when was the last time you remember me remembering you? Like, when was the last time you noticed that? He was like, oh, it's when you were 13. 
So he was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because when I was 13, I was distracted by a hot girl and I got a major concussion and got and, and I didn't be all my memories didn't come back right there. And this is all just a very fun sequence of him trying to uh, to cheer up and be buddies with Krampus. And Krampus is all like, listen, I, I used to be a pagan god. I had these witches and these shamans and these naked women dancing all around me. And now, and now when the one God comes along and he makes me seem like the bad guy. <laughs> so Ash like gets him to motivate. He's like, listen, you got to go out there, take a break, do stuff for you. And then, um, basically he walks off and he goes to do his own thing. So Ash sits down and he's like, that was weird as shit. I, th I thought I just sat here with a demon, just chugged beers and it turns out the weirdest part is that he was an okay guy. So he gets up the courage. He's like, you know, one thing I should do for uh, for Christmas, do a little bit for myself after I save that girl, grab some beers, goes over to his neighbor, and uh, he tries to bring over the beers and everything. And uh, just to find out that Krampus <laughs> was just in bed with her, and Krampus grabs the beers, and he's like, yeah, it turns out she's into hairy guys that smell like goats and heavy metal music. It's weird, huh? And he wishes, <laughs> he wishes Ash a happy holidays and tells him he owes him one. And that's the end of that. It was fun. It was harmless. Uh, I wouldn't say it's particularly uh, outstanding, but it did get me laughing. You know, I did enjoy it. But without further ado, that takes us to Revenge of Evil Ed. Now, Revenge of Evil Ed was hyped, right? I was hyped for this. This was going to be like like the big finale, you know, this was going to be the, 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 the one I've been waiting for, for all this time. It's written by Edgerton, Edgington, Ian Edgington. Uh, the line art is by Francisco Maurice and the colors were by Chris Summers. So we're seeing a return from the main creative team and, uh, Ian Edgington, who was writing the next installment of the main storyline. So this is, this is what the next installment of Evil Dead 2 was going to be anyway. It was going to be along the tone of this with this creative team, with this art style. And right off the bat, the art style is distinctly different from the other Revenge series. Ash looks distinctly different. For one, his likeness is a lot more accurate. And two, he has an entire robotic prosthetic hand because in the events of Dark Ones Rising, um, Annie cut off his hand and, and uh, in reading in this, the hand that he wears in this comic is actually one that she built for him. So this is supposed to take place not only after Dark Ones Risings, but after the sequel to Dark Ones Risings, which just makes me so upset because I, I was actually genuinely invested in those and, and I, I don't feel any, I don't have any respect for the publishing company even though they produce these comics, which I do have been enjoying and do enjoy reading, I, I, I'm disgusted with what they, what their practices were as a company. And, and I'm, I'm just upset that they would produce all of this content and, and get people who genuinely cared about the content to pay for this just to take it out from under. Uh, but, but I digress. Story starts off. We see Ash. He's going on a trip to Vegas. Um, because the other Ash apparently won it from being employee of the month before he went off on his 
trip to the 1300s. But as he gets on the bus to Vegas, we notice that it's being uh, headed by a deadite. So we pull out, and in hell, we see none other than evil Ed. And he's watching through these green flames where Ash is. And he, he tells the audience that hell is under new management. And the first act of business is to get vengeance on Ashley Williams. So he calls forward his archangels of evil, who include Adolf Hitler, Count Dracula, the mummy Raka Uruk, Osama bin Laden, and Rasputin. <laughs> Hitler and Dracula have canonically fought Ash in the past. The rest of these fellows, just funny to see them. I, I noticed Osama bin Laden on the cover, and I thought that was hilarious. But he actually is a character in this, so that's funny. The but We cut back to the bus where Ash is, and he, he apparently fell asleep, and he woke up just to find out that he's actually in hell. And everybody on the bus is a deadite. And they all look like evil Ash in their faces. They just have different hair and costumes. <laughs> they they basically start shouting they're going to swallow his soul. And uh, he, he gets... He, Opens up his little his little duffel bag, and uh, reveals he has his chainsaw, his chainsaw hand attachment. He also has his shotgun. But funnily enough, the bullets that the artist drew here are not actually shotgun shells, but regular lead bullets. So technically, he doesn't have any ammo for a shotgun. Um, he does, like in reality, he does. He does load the shotgun, but. But I just noticed that they just drew it wrong. He takes off his little robot hand, puts on the chainsaw hand, and grabs a shotgun. He's now more close to the ash we all know and love than he ever has been before. And he just starts blowing away these deadites with his chainsaw and with his shotgun. And and uh, the bus driver in the front is is none the wiser. He doesn't know what's going on back there. Um, so that's when Ash walks up to him and just blows his head off. Ed is obviously not pleased with this. And also, I'm I'm just now realizing that this is the second issue of four. So that means that I've only read, and there's only available half of this story. That sucks. I fucking hate that. They literally stopped the story halfway through. At least with their other series, with their main continuity, they actually had an ending. But this, this is despicable. But yeah, after realizing that those quote, assholes can't do anything, Ed sends Hitler, Rasputin, and Bin Laden. Bin Laden and Rasputin, he actually gets confused, which is probably a racial thing, but he, he sends all of them to to go find Ash. And Ash uh, notices that there's a tank coming with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Rasputin. That's <laughs> That's quite an image to look at. Um, as I'm looking at it right now. Again, the art in this is actually quite good. The colors, even though Chris Summers did the colors on this, actually look pretty good with this art style. They don't particularly look good in the mainline series, but because this art style has a lot more black, a lot more uh, inked-in details, it comes across way nicer. Um, but Ash decides to um, send the bus beelining straight at the tank. Obviously, the tank is heavily armored, and the bus, if it crashes, is not going to stand a chance. But these 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 undead, uh, horrific members of history are actually supposed to take him back alive. So if Ash crashes into their tank and dies, they would have failed. 
you know? And Hitler, he shouts, he's like, Scheiße! It's a bunch of, you know, stereotypical stuff of these awful human beings. They think that Ash is in the bus, but in fact, Ash has actually just put a, a tank of gas on the acceleration pedal. And once the bus crashes into the tank and flies over and explodes, Ed and also these archangels of death, the Bin Laden, Rasputin, and Hitler, are all pissed off because... Because they just killed Ash, the one thing they were not supposed to do. So while uh, Bin Laden and Rasputin inside the tank determine what they have to do, they start calling up for Adolf Hitler, who's up above the tank standing at the turret. But the only thing, they, the only response they receive is a shower of blood because Ash um, cut his head off and blasted him with the shotgun. <laughs> uh, this is... It's so crazy, you know? It's such a crazy, hellish, exaggerated existence. But uh, Rasputin lunges at Ash to no avail, really. And Bin Laden just basically begs for mercy. And uh, he, he even offers to show him, to tell him what's going on, to show him where to go to get out of here. But even though he's begging for mercy, Ash offers him none. He says, cry me a river, asshole, and cleans his face off so uh ed now short his archangels of death <laughs> uh devises a new plan and ash he turns around and notices that in hell there is a an installment of las vegas and he says sure it's a trap but it's still vegas baby and i'm gonna paint the town red and it's this really glorious final shot it's a shame that we don't find... I don't know how this particularly this particular story concludes. But the art does look good, and I was looking forward to this one. But it is what it is. And just like that, I guess, it brings us to the end of the podcast. And the end of our comic book era of the podcast. Um, I could have prolonged these comic book episodes to last until the end of the show, but I didn't feel right doing that. But yeah, this is this is the end of, the, of talking about the comic books. I, I I say that, but I might, I might do just one more episode about comic books. But we'll have to see. I'll, I'll have to see on the day if I'm I'm down for it. But yeah, this has been Dead by Danny. Uh, if you enjoy me, you want to see more of my content or my memes, you can go over to Instagram at DCR Films. If you want to see stuff that I find particularly interesting or funny, I like to share that stuff over on Twitter, at Dan Reguino. And if you want to find where the apex, the hub, the the core of where this podcast can, every all the information you want can be found, you can go to anchor.fm slash deadbydanny, where you can click on the portal to any of the major podcasting platforms, anywhere podcasts are found, even. Or you can listen to the podcast straight from Anchor. Again, that's anchor.fm slash dead by Danny. And as always, I always appreciate if you, sh- if you would just share this podcast with your friends and you tell them to come get some and swallow this podcast. Thank you very much. And I will see you tomorrow.